ready to rise above loud, angry headlines, longing for an alternative to the world's fighting and fear-mongering? Christianity Today magazine offers a trustworthy, faithful perspective on stories that matter to you, from the church next door to movements and ministries all around the world. Subscribe to CT for full access to in-depth reporting, insightful commentary, and redemptive storytelling, both online and in print. A subscription to CT also includes seasonal devotionals, special issues, and exclusive content. Visit orderct.com today or click the link in the show notes to get started and join a growing community of thoughtful evangelical Christians who value different news that makes a difference. That's orderct.com to subscribe today. This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmond.edu. I received a question uh, from a teenager who was writing to me saying that he had um, he'd committed a, a sexual sin, and he's, he's trying to think of what next steps are for him. He's repentant, seems broken uh, over this, and really does want to move forward in the right way. I also, though, received a question from some parents who had a teenage child who had fallen into some sexual immorality, and they were wondering how to deal with it as parents. I don't think this is the same family. <laughs> so I don't, think the, I don't think the teenager and the parents are the same, but they're both grappling with, with different ends of the same scenario and the same situation. And so I want to speak first to the teenager and uh, then to, to any other uh, people who might be in the same situation as he is. And then I want to speak to the parents. So to the teenager, this is what I would say. First of all, know the weight of what has happened. And uh, I think in, in some situations and in some time periods that might not have been, have needed to be emphasized to the degree that it does right now. But because we're living in uh, the, sort of, uh, the sort of cultural moment that sees sexual expression as being intrinsic to one's well-being and one's authenticity, which is not a biblical view, also sees the question of sexual right and wrong in different categories. Now, uh, our culture still sees that there are issues of right and wrong, but they, they usually draw them at consent, and I, I certainly would say anything without consent is wrong. So the culture's right about, about that in seeing that as being unjust and, and, and immoral. But the culture doesn't want to see categories of right or wrong beyond most of those uh, questions of, of consent. And so you have to recognize that if we're looking at the world from, from God's perspective, then sexual immorality is a serious, serious issue. I mean, the, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 that every other sin that we commit is outside the body, 
But sexual immorality is a sin that is done with and to uh, the body. So there's, there's something that is bound up with uh, who we are as creatures that is disordered with sexual immorality. So you're, you're right to feel the weight of this. And, and the reason for that is not simply in terms of uh, temporal consequences. Uh, so I think one of the things that you might be tempted to do is to say, well, uh, no one became pregnant, if in fact that's the case. Uh, no one received a, a, a disease if that is the case. There's not any promiscuity. This is one situation in a love relationship. You've got all kinds of ways to say, well, we're not facing these temporal consequences. Therefore, we, we dodged a bullet here. I think you need to think on the, the central issue here, which is that God has designed sexuality to preach. He's designed sexuality to sing design sexuality to communicate something, and what sexuality is communicating is the gospel of Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 5, that one flesh union of a husband to a wife. So there's covenant, there's fidelity, there's permanence, uh, all of those aspects of the marital union as it is sexual. That, that didn't happen here. And so the, the sexual involvement that you participated in, whatever, whatever it was, fell short of that. Uh, so you're, you're right to feel the, the weight of this. What I would also say, though, is feel the weight of it, but receive the gospel and feel the liberation from it. Now, I'm not going to tell you to feel liberation from it if you're just um, taking sort of the approach the New Testament forbids, let us sin all the more that grace may abound. But if you're saying, I don't want to walk in this way, I want to, to walk in the way of Christ, then receive the promise of the gospel, uh, which is whoever confesses his sin, God is faithful and just to forgive his sin and to cleanse him from all unrighteousness. That's, that's the, the promise of the gospel. So you freely confess to God what has taken place, and God has promised that he will forgive the sin and he will cleanse you. So you're not, if you're repentant, you're not, God's not angry with you. God's not um, looking to, to, to punish you. Uh, receive the, the liberation of that. Then I think there are some practical steps uh, that, that you should take. Because, and this is just, I'm speaking here just out of experience of dealing over the years with many people who are, are involved in various types of sexual sin. Uh, it is really difficult to start down the path of uh, sexual immorality and to turn away from it. It happens all the time, and, and the Spirit is enough to, to do that, but it becomes very difficult. So what you want to do is to make sure that you notice where all of your vulnerabilities are so that you can, you can protect yourself uh, as much as you can from those points of vulnerability. So uh, let's assume for a minute that the, the other party in the sexual immorality is as repentant as you are also a Christian, also recognizes that this is wrong, then I think that you and her 
if this is a her, you and she need to talk about why this happened. What sort of boundaries were not in place that made it easy enough for this to take place that you were able to do it? And so I think you need to have a, an honest conversation uh, about that with her. I think also you need to have some outside accountability. We have one mediator between God and, and man, the man Christ Jesus. You're, you're not in need of a, a, a human priest other than Jesus, but you are in need of counsel, and you are in need of accountability, especially because when it comes to sexual sin, because this is a a sin of the passions, when the passions start firing, it is really easy to forget our spiritual commitments and to rationalize away uh, everything. So you need some, some outside wisdom in your life. If your parents are Christians— if your parents are the sort of parents that, that can actually provide some spiritual sustenance for you, then go to your parents. I recognize not everybody has parents like that. You, you, you may have unbelieving parents who don't even get why you would want to follow Christ's standard of sexual morality. You may even have a, a dangerous or dysfunctional uh, situation uh, with your parents. You don't feel safe going and talking to them because of the, the way that they will react. Well, if, that, if that's the case... Find someone else that you can trust to talk to about this. Maybe your pastor, uh, maybe your, your youth pastor, but find someone that you can say, this is what's, what has happened, this is what has gone on, somebody that's going to be able to check on you and to, and to follow up and to say, uh, hey, are you putting yourself into situations where you're particularly vulnerable? So don't, don't get yourself back in those places or those situations where you can easily fall right back into the same sin. It may be that the other person uh, in this, that, that there needs to be a breaking up. It could be if the other person does not see this with the sort of spiritual gravity that you do, then it's going to be a very difficult battle to gain victory over this because you're going to have someone who's going to be pulling you, maybe even just subtly, in the opposite direction. And so if, if the other person just doesn't see this with that level of, of uh, weight, then it may, it may mean that you need to break up. Uh, that, that's certainly the case, of course, if this person is not a believer. The Bible prohibits us from joining ourselves together uh, with an unbeliever. And so I think you should take that into account uh, immediately. Now, to the parents, the parents who are listening to this. Uh, several things that I would say. Uh, the first is also receive the weight of this. I mean, I think there, there are far too many parents, including sometimes evangelical Christian parents, who assume that sexual immorality is just a normal part of, uh, of growing up. And, and I think that's especially true for all sorts of bad reasons for parents of boys. And so I think that uh, feel and receive the weight of this. This is a sin against God. I can kind of tell from the question that this is, th these are parents who, who really do get that. And so I, I want to kind of go beyond that and say, secondly, don't be shocked and don't communicate to your child, 
um, I can't believe that you did this, or even worse, I can't believe that you did this to us. I think there, there are sometimes parents who take personally their child's immorality, and uh, sometimes it's because they, they don't have a deep enough sense of human sin, and so they, they don't understand uh, the, the weight of temptation, the, uh, the, the pull of sin, and they expect too much out of their child. They expect their child to be able to always make the right moral decision in sometimes very difficult and very challenging moments. And so don't, don't communicate, well, we're shocked that you did this. There is no sin except what is common to man. This, there's no surprising set of, of sins. There can be extreme sins and extreme rebellions in a particular aspect of sin, but your teenager is not inventing something new. So don't be shocked by that. The second thing I would say is look at the sort of boundaries uh, that are in place. Now, having said that, I know there are going to be some parents who are going to not have really been involved in their, their child's, teenage child's life and relationships, and uh, they're just going to assume, uh, well, this is just all his fault or this is just all her fault. To those parents, I would want to say, you need to, to look into say, where, where have we left our child potentially vulnerable here, if, if at all? But I know there are also going to be parents who are going to blame themselves for every uh, every aspect of this, and they're going to they're going to assume if only we had if only we had had the right sets of guardrails everywhere, then we could have totally prevented this from happening. And if you're that type of parent, then you need to give some grace to yourself and 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 back off a little bit. But look and, and see, do we have some some boundaries that are too difficult to expect an adolescent uh, to be able to navigate? And if that's the case, have a meeting and say, hey. We're owning the fact that this has happened, and we're going to make sure that we're going to fight with you to make sure that that this doesn't happen again, and here's how. But as you do that, be sure that you do not intentionally or unintentionally cut your child off from you. Uh, And I think sometimes if you have a parent who is disappointed, there's that tendency to kind of... uh, back up from the child, just isolate the child in some way, give a, a sort of cold shoulder. Your child needs you closer in now, not, not more distant from him or from her. And so I would encourage you to model the gospel. If you have a, if you have a child who's repentant, um, whether that is physical sexual immorality or whether you've, you've caught this child in internet pornography or whatever the situation is, model the grace that you have received. And so uh, that means uh, not taking on this somber persona where every time that you talk, you're talking about, well, let's turn again to what the Bible teaches about sexual immorality, but you, you're maintaining, you're showing that your parental love is still there. Your, your parent-child relationship is still there. You're going to get through this, and you're going to move forward. And so, so make sure that you're communicating uh, that sort of grace. And that's especially true. You know, if you have a child who is either not taking this seriously 
or a child that is just burdened down with accusation and shame. In either of those situations, you have a gospel um, opportunity here. And so what you need to do is to come in and, and teach explicitly here uh, what the gospel teaches about the holy standards of God and the law of God, but also what the gospel teaches about the, the cleansing power of the blood of Christ and what it means to have taken our sin in Christ to the cross, what it means to be hidden in Christ, uh, Colossians chapter 3. And so take that opportunity to, to teach and to, and to talk, not only in what you're saying, but with the evident love and affection with which you say it. Because this is not the last time that your child is going to need to hear this from you. Uh, regardless of whether or not there's any more sexual immorality, we're, we're sinners. And so your child is going to be sinning against God in various ways, just as you and I sin against God in various ways. And what do we need? What do we need constantly? We need Romans chapter 3. We need to understand and know that God takes sin seriously because he's a holy God. And if we don't, then we're walking in a different direction from the direction of godliness. And we need to know that God does not count our sin against us, but has nailed our sin to the cross of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we are free from that as we walk in resurrection life. We're able to come boldly before the throne of grace, before our Father, because we are hidden in Christ and because we're therefore uh, righteous. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't give us some sort of license to go back and to continue in sin. It gives us the sense of what a loving Father I have who is willing to intervene in my path to self-destruction in order to lovingly give to me the life of his own son and to fill me with the presence of his Holy Spirit in order to ensure that my body is a temple of his presence. We all need to hear that consistently and your child needs to hear that right now. This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's M.A. in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu hdl.